Hello and welcome to Mancheck Chit Chat on the Thin Fried Friday. Today we are talking to a cultural ambassador, Poppy Tucker, here at Middendorf Slidell. Hi, Poppy. How are you today? Oh, Horst, I'm thrilled to be here at the new beautiful Middendorf's in Slidell. I am blown away. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I mean, we just finished our little walkthrough. And for, I call it, you know, our little uh, catfish temple. <laughs> it is. A, and I'm just completely undone with everything that you have here. From the beautiful cypress to the incredible state-of-the-art kitchen. Honestly, I find myself in a lot of restaurant kitchens, and I have never seen anything like what you built here in Slidell. I almost needed a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's very cool in that kitchen. Well, you know, we took the best what we have in Manchac and added to it to uh, create what we have here. I know there's not so many uh, kitchens like this, but to produce what we have to produce as you saw it and perform what the people expect for the last 85 years, we had to go this way. But since you walked through, tell our listeners a little bit, um, did we bring a little bit of the Manchac feel here? Oh, here in the restaurant, you have brought the Manchac feel. You come in here and you just feel at home for anybody who Middendorf's in Manchac has been your home away from home. You can come in this restaurant and know that you're home again. It's wonderful having a second home so <laughs> close, so close to New Orleans because this is really an easy drive. But all of the old wood, all of the treatment. I love your crazy ideas with decorating from the porthole at the front door to the incredible light fixtures and your craziness outside. It, it's all just wonderful. And I'm such a fan. Well, thank you. You know, we, what we try to, the one thing is about Manchac and also, I always try to focus the family get together. We see our big tables out of the wood we made there, uh, the family atmosphere outside on the porch and everything, and still bring the same food here. And as you walked in there, you know, uh, the high tech kitchen, what we're calling it, you know, uh, we are cat fried catfish house, but we have all the newest equipment in a way. You know, we have induction cooker. A lot of people don't realize we use uh, electric fryers. Uh, you know, more energy goes into the oil heating it up. It goes quicker hot. Um, there's not so much radiant heat, so it's just why it's so comfortable in there. Uh, well, and I, I just have to say, it's comfortable, but quite honestly, sir, I know it's new, but I've never been in such a beautiful, clean kitchen. I, I love the way you thought of everything. You can even hose it down when it's over. Yes, we did, we did. <laughs> Well, you know, I look at it this way. I want to go to, I never go to work since I love what I do. So I'm very blessed on this. But I want the people who work here being proud of it, and I want to be proud of it. And, you know, I don't want to hide anything. I want to show to the people and everything. So uh, I'm very proud of what we created, and hopefully the people who work here, they appreciate it and everything, and the customers too. We still have a little bit, some tweaking to do and everything, but uh, I'm very, very pleased. Every day feels better and better and better. Well, the most important thing, <clears throat> aside from the ambiance, the feel, feeling like you, are you in Slidell or are you in Manchac? Doesn't really matter because what's on the table is also the same exact beautiful, impeccably fried, thin, thin catfish and all the rest of the yumminess. Like the flounder, you tell me that people from New Orleans are wild about the flounder here. 
Well, there used to be many restaurants uh, out in, uh, uh, we had Brunings where everybody used to go for the flounder. And we're missing this place. And I was surprised how many people come here and eat flounder. Yeah, they're loving it. But let's talk about you. I mean, you are an ambassador. That's why you're here. You have your own radio show. You're on Stepping Out on TV and everything. Tell a little bit of, a little bit of people about you. I mean, you're spreading our gospel of food around. Well, you know, of course, that's because I love New Orleans, and I love New Orleans food, and I love New Orleans people. I just think that we have the best crew down here in southern Louisiana putting the most delicious food in the world on the table consistently for, goodness, over 300 years now. And I've always believed that the food tastes better when you know the story behind it. You know, that that thin fried catfish is delicious, but I'm sure people still ask you, why? Why thin, why, 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 Horst? Why thin fried catfish? Well, I didn't create it. You know, this was the hardest thing for me when I took over Middendorf's. Uh, I had to learn everything. You know, when I had Bella Luna, whatever I put on the plate was me. Uh, but Middendorf's, the people came in for 80 years to eat the same, so I had to learn it. But tell me a little bit, uh, you know, my background coming from Europe, so when I settled in New Orleans, I fell in love with the food since it was a unique, it was a lot of old, uh, there was no other uh, area in this country where the food was prepared like this or the flavors or the taste and everything. And I liked it, how, what we doing here in, in this area. Uh, this was, I felt real special being part of it when I had Bella Luna and I was special with Middendorf. But how did you get into food? Well, it was because I grew up with two great grandmothers who were my cooking great-grandmothers. That's it. Sometimes it skips a generation, but I was very fortunate to have them both in my life until I was 10 years old. And so I first tasted those delicious, unusual, Louisiana, authentic flavors at the dinner table of my great-grandmother. And I also had the added advantage of her being a living illustration of how you can love people with food. And I learned, and I was loved, and I learned that delicious taste. And the rest of my life, that is what I have wanted to continue and spread. And when you combine that with a love for New Orleans that I have, because I tell people I love New Orleans like some people love their mothers, we have so many precious historical things that are endangered, you know, um, way, way, way back when in uh, 1998, 99, when Susan Spicer had her Spice Incorporated, her mm -hmm. amazing food school that was, I think, before its time down here in the yeah. warehouse district. Was it an annunciation? I don't know what's in there now. But I, I remember no, there's nothing in there now. Now um, Sacolet is gone from there, so that space is empty. She had again. some cooking classes there. And I was Louisiana Spice. I used to tell people I was one of the Spice Girls. I taught her traditional Louisiana classes back then. It was a beautiful setup, shit. Oh, and she was so generous with the space and her time, and so that was how when I started the slow food movement, that was there wasn't even Slow Food USA. Um, I began the movement here by corresponding with the original office in Italy, and um, Susan said, "Oh, well, I'm just entranced with the idea too. So you just use the space," and so. That was where we started having some of our initial slow food meetings. And 
it was slow food, their, their mission about preserving and um, promoting historic foods, endangered foods, was the thing that really caught my attention back then. And so back, way back in those early days at Spice Incorporated, before there even was a Slow Food USA arc of taste, um, that was the thing that captivated me. And we started nominating and putting things on the arc of taste that were important to the people of New Orleans. And it was through that start that we saved Creole cream cheese. Lord, everywhere you go now, you know you see Creole cream cheese on menus, whether it's Creole cream cheese cake or whether it's in a sauce used in a savory application. Back in 1999, when we nominated that and it was accepted onto the International Slow Food Arc of Taste, nobody had it. It was just about forgotten. You could only buy containers of it at Dorignac's. And how do you save an endangered food? Well, you got to start off by teaching people how to make it. And in a very short time, once I started having those events and teaching people about Creole cream cheese, I could name dozens of people who were making it at home on their kitchen counters every week. And I think that's an illustration of how special you are, or how special we are here. Because, you know, if you tell your average American there's a dairy product, that we want you to consume, and it's going to all start with you going to the grocery store and buying a fresh gallon of milk, and then basically leaving it out on the counter before 18, for 20, excuse me, then leaving it out on the counter for 18 to 24 hours before you even think about eating it, your average American is going to run screaming because they're so afraid of bugs and germs and such, but your average New Orleanian is going to say, is that all it takes to make Creole cream cheese? And you have another convert. So that's back from the brink of extinction. Cala, my goodness, most people had no idea what a cala was back in 1999. It was forgotten. That's been a long haul, but it shows up on restaurant menus now too. And that... Out of all the things I've done to have saved those precious endangered foods that are such a vital part of our heritage means everything to me. And then you also got involved. Did you get involved from uh, farm to table a little bit? Mm. Well, that's all slow food. That's all slow food. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm watching it right now with the fishermen and everything. But sometimes the government puts so many new regulations on. Oh, Lord. When uh, the right government says they're here to help you, you better yeah. watch out. Like right now in our industry, with the catfish industry, you know, it's now under USDA inspection. Mm -hmm. So I can't even, in Manchego, I used to get fish from the fishermen there. Mm -hmm. They can't do that anymore. I had no idea. Oh, my goodness. And every one of those governmental layers adds a layer of cost, doesn't it? They were at my restaurant a few weeks ago at 7 in the morning when I drove up to agent USDA. And they walked to every cooler, looked at every piece of catfish, see where it came from. Well, I guess in some ways we should be reassured that the government is being so hands-on um, <laughs> with our food safety. However, if they're listening, I can tell them there's a lot of other places they ought to go check out other than yeah. Middendorf's. Just no, saying. No. Just saying. <laughs> no, you have to. Listen, I don't have a problem with it. You know, I'm just saying a lot of people don't realize it. Uh, the reason why we can't, there's only one uh, slaughterhouse that's allowed to handle uh, wild catfish, and so it's real, real hard. But at the same time, it's a, the wild 
catfish can be dead in a boat brought to the slaughterhouse and then cleaned. Mm-hmm. The farm-raised catfish has to be alive brought there. We're like, whatever. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. But, you know, when they're here from the government to help you, you have to watch out. Like when I can pick up my crabs, you know, I need a, a, a license to be able to put them in my truck to drive them across the street where I pick them up. That's crazy! Well, speaking of your crabs, are you going to have your boiled seafood out here, too? You you were comparing Middendorf's to Brunings, and, um, you know, for those of us who remember Brunings, that um, boiled seafood was certainly part of the profile we, there. We do boil some, uh, have some boiled crabs uh, when they're available. Right now, I just start m- seeing moving a little bit. You know, when you come to Middendorf's, there are certain things you want. And I'm getting over of um, what I want to say. Oh, when you're having crabs or when you have crawfish. Well, if they're not the right size or the right quality, I will not put them on. Since every time you break the rules, it bites you in the behind. <laughs> you know, if you, uh, last year the waiter said, we ever have crawfish, crawfish. Well, there were no select. Select means they're graded out. Mm-hmm. So if they're all the same size and you cook them, they all come out the same. But if you just get randomly, some of them are mushy, small, different sizes. So I only buy now when they're a certain size. Well, the girls picked on me so long, finally I bought them. And what? Out of the first 10 customers, few people complained. So I said, why well, I want to go there? Mm-hmm. So uh, if I don't have number one crabs to boil them, I don't boil them. You know, that's what we get out there, the number one males. And Absolutely. so it's the same with soft shell. But hopefully the... the the last couple of weeks were rough, but we see a little bit better movement. But I will, as soon as we have the right quality, I will have them on the menu. But it's the craziest thing that you are right here, virtually on Lake Pontchartrain, just filled with seafood, ready to jump right in your kitchen door. Well, it's, it is, but uh, you know, uh, opening the spill every, every time it makes an effect. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, during this time, there's more cold water got in, so they kind of didn't move as much, they didn't eat as much. So you didn't have the nice fat crabs. Mm. Uh, every year we hear it, but you know, it's like if you do or don't. I mean, you know, if, if humans get involved with changing nature, stuff will happen. You know, we can't control nature. Well, humans have gotten involved with changing nature, it seems to me, because this climate change thing that we're living in seems to be very dramatic and real. Yes, but at the same time, when you look in history, you know, me being uh, from Europe, I remember 250 years ago, well, I was not alive, but when you in <laughs> history, why did people migrate? The Vikings looked for new territories. There were certain parts in the world, something happens. Uh, uh, 250 years ago, there was a volcanic eruption in the Indian Ocean somewhere, and the clouds settled over Germany, southern Germany, and the temperature dropped by I don't know how many degrees and they couldn't harvest anything this summer and people were mm-hmm. starving and they mm-hmm. migrated down the Danube to Hungary and everything. So there's always something happened to which extent, you know, when you look over history, um, climate change, why we don't have dinosaurs anymore? Yeah, exactly. You know? And you can't blame people on that. No. <laughs> well, our, you know, we only will be here so long, and let's enjoy the good food at this time we're here. Well, if anybody wants to enjoy good food, just going wherever Horst Pfeiffer might be hanging <laughs> his hat is a pretty well-guaranteed good meal, I'd say. Well, we're trying. We're trying with Middendorf's, and as you know, in Manchek, we're doing in September, we have our fettuccine, what came from Bella Luna. 
And then in October, we do our six week of Oktoberfest food. And we're working on it to see what we can accomplish here. I That's all I'm saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to getting those announcements from Karen because I know I am making all of those people who watch every Friday night on Stepping Out. When I ring the bell and let them know it's fettuccine time or <laughs> Oktoberfest time, I just know by saying those words, I'm making so many people happy. So I can't imagine how it is to be making them happy by actually giving them my delicious food. So bravo, bravo. Thank you, thank you. No, we're working hard, and the fettuccine is fun. It brings me back to memories from Bellaluna when we used to toss them tableside. We can't do it in Middendorf's tableside, but we, we, we're trying real hard to bring it all there. Uh, so, stepping out—that's where you announce everything. Yes, and it's on public. Uh, it's on, it's w- on public TV. I'm the public TV and the public radio girl, me. Yeah. So yeah, on that show, Peggy Scott Laborde mm-hmm. started doing stepping out 32 years ago. Now I have only been in that seat for about. Oh, 15 of those years now. But it is such a pleasure and such an honor. And we are having as much fun as it looks like we're having. I just look forward to taping that show every Friday night like I can't tell you. And we know that there's at least 25,000 people at home watching it live. And I don't even know how many are watching it on YouTube or DVR'd. There's a couple who I know in San Francisco, the nicest fellas you can imagine. Ted and Mark never miss stepping out. And I know that for sure because I often get little emails from them about it. And to think that we're spreading the (laughs) word about New Orleans good food as far away as San Francisco is a big thing to me. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we, we, you know, let's not, uh, I call the spreading the gospel uh, about Middendorf's, you know, the people coming in there for 85 years. And it's so wonderful when you stay in the host stand and the people leaving. And say, Just to let you know, I had my first meal here when I was two years old. Oh, and it's beautiful. It's heartwarming. And, and now being not the new guy anymore and people thanking me for not changing anything. Yes. It is wonderful. They trust you now. They trust me now, yeah. And I think we did an incredible job. Yes, you did. Yeah. And you did it multiple times because you had a few little weather incidents that caused you trouble over in Manchac. It just makes you stronger. <laughs> what well, no, it does. Yeah. You know, there's a reason for certain things that happen. And, uh, you know, um, the first one in 08, uh, it's helped me to get over... I just kind of finished the end of Bella Luna off, even if it was not there anymore, but it took so long to kind of get over it. And I think the first incident in Manchac with Ike when I flooded, it's made me realize you better wake up and get your butt in gear mm-hmm. or, you know, you could end up not good. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's helped me there. But so you talked all about your grandmothers, the two years. Great-grandmothers. Great-grandmothers. Did you ever go with them to Middendorf's? No. No, they were little old ladies. They wouldn't have driven that far. But as a child, um, I, my parents would take me there. We would yeah. stop at Middendorf's when we had a reason to be going back and forth. I, I do have childhood memories of, of being there and just the deliciousness and it, it's just you know and as an adult I'm a, I'm I'm a lifelong New Orleanian and 
countless times I have driven up and down that highway there and you know you're on that bridge and you see Middendorf's and it's really really hard not to pull over I can tell you more times than not I do sometimes it's just to get it to go sometimes I don't but it's hard to pass it and leave it behind you know I was in, uh, in Oxford Mississippi at the Southern Food Alliance for meeting there and cooking my catfish and I was sitting in Sean's place for dinner with 10 people and five out of the ten people had Middendorf's on speed dial. <laughs> All the people from Mississippi, when they drive in or out, get one to go. It's Isn't crazy. Isn't that incredible? And you know, it's comfort food. And it was created, uh, you know, in the old days when, uh, when the Depression was, they had nothing. And that's why it's so simple. A simple Middendorf's food is, it's not this simple and easy to produce. Uh, you know, there's a lot to it. Uh, the, Toughest challenge now in this time and age sometimes to explain certain things to people, you know. Oh, it should be spicier, this. Well, that's why we are old roadhouse diner mm-hmm. where the condiments are on the table. Yes. So you can add it to it. And that's what our traditional customers like and want. Uh, at the same time, to produce the product we have, the fish, so delicious and crisp and sweet, um, it wouldn't work with a different batter. I tried it a couple oh. times to make it spicy. Two things so people understand, and you know it, when you fry something and you have all the seasoning in the batter, eventually the seasoning goes into the oil, it burns it, and it will make it worse and worse. Uh-huh. So you would have an inconsistent quality over the whole day. It sh- would change constantly. So with us of seafood, it's just brined in a salt brine, uh-huh. and then breaded with cornmeal or corn flour, and then fried. It's very simple, but it's not as simple. You know, something that I'm very curious about with the age of Middendorf's, have, do you have celebrities who have regularly dined at Middendorf's? It's funny, all of the old, old restaurants that I've ever done any investigation about, either you walk in and they've got celebrity pictures, autographed celebrity pictures on the wall from the days long before Instagram, or lots and lots of them. After I poke around enough, I discover there's a guest book where people have signed their names and written down their memories. Um, are there, is there anything old? But I, I know that you are certainly creating your own new version of that, aren't you? But everybody who comes along there stops there. Every, every politician, every... We had Prince Rainier there. We had a lot of people there. Their Prince stuff. Rainier? How in the world did Prince Rainier find himself in Manchac? When he came uh, <laughs> to New Orleans, he came out there. Uh, but, you know, it's we don't make a big deal out of it. it. People come in there, you know, when they're political campaigning, when they come in there. Uh, you know, I met a lot of people in my life, uh, probably more in... Um, when I was in New Orleans, but out there, people just sometimes you don't even recognize them since they're coming in their normal clothes when they come to Middendorf's and yes. they eat there, and we get them all. We do <laughs> get them all, and it, it's funny, and you leave them there since that's what it is. It's a family atmosphere. It's not about showing off the celebrities. Well, you know, that's what I, that's my impression too, because I think everybody is a celebrity at Middendorf's. It, it's, oh, yeah. You know, everybody is treated specially and like family. Yeah. It is. It is a very, very special place. And, you know, when I stay there and the people, there are some people, I have a 
picture on the wall from this young man when he was young. No, he's 70 years old. He was there with his grandparents when he was like eight years old and we have it on the wall. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he comes every week and for the for 60 years. And oh, it's so wonderful. Nice. And, uh, you know, this is a celebrity for me. And them liking what I did and changed and added to it or whatever, uh, it, it's something very special. You know, there's a lot of special. There's a lot of unique people, you know, for Louisiana, you like to talk to them. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Edwin Edwards came by. Oh, how is old Edwin Edwards? I, know, I was wondering about him the other day. Well, it's incredible, you know, even a person like him. Um, he knows you. He, he knows I'm German. He comes in and fluently speaks German with me. Oh, he's an amazing man. He's incredible. Did he have that toddler with him? His young son? Yes. How old is that baby? <laughs> That baby's got to be... He's no, gotta be, he's old, not older. He's probably seven. Oh, he's, goodness gracious. Time what a man by. that Edwin is. He's incredible for this uh, state. No, but people like this when they come in. Or, we had, uh, you know, when people, even presidential candidates, when they drive by and everything, mm -hmm. there, or m movie people. So we have this all the time. But the celebrities are is the people who make Mittendorf's. It's the customer who's come there for 80 years. It's the waitresses who work there. Since when we open on a Sunday morning on Mother's Day, all I can do is say a little prayer and then the show begins. <laughs> and there's nothing <laughs> I can Day. What else we want to add to? Uh, tell me about your cookbook. You help people write cookbooks, right? You wrote I write cookbooks. I don't. I. I oh, you write I, all your books. I help them despite themselves often. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. I actually. This will really raise your eyebrows and some of your listeners. My sixth book is about to come out. So, you know, it all started back in 2007 when I wrote the Crescent City Farmer's Market cookbook. That was my first book. And, and then I was involved with Madame Begay for a while. I, uh, I was asked by a publisher to um, reinvent, not reinvent, but just make for a 21st century home cook the recipes as she had written them in the 19th century. And I did that. And then we had the Louisiana Eats book, because of course, you know, I've, do you know Louisiana Eats, my radio show that airs on WWNO and other NPR affiliates throughout Louisiana, we're in our 10th year. 10 years of Louisiana Eats. So way, way, way back in 2013, I thought it was a good idea to do a little book, and that has been a very special little memory for me because those are little, the, the whole book is made up of little vignettes of special people who I loved and interviewed over time, along with portrait photographs of them because, you know, the visuals on the radio are not so good. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> noticed that. And so anyway, so that was that one. And then along came that Tujac's opportunity, which was just the most special thing to me because I came into the picture right after Mark Ladder, the current owner and proprietor, when his father Stephen had passed away unexpectedly and he had been the proprietor there for 25 years. It was really a remarkable time and what Stephen did there. And so we wrote that book and it tied everything together. It tied the story together from 1865. It was a great honor. And then I thought, well, what is it that I want to do next? Well, that was the second oldest continuously operating restaurant in New Orleans. Well, the other 
one on the horizon was the second oldest continuously operating family-owned restaurant, which of course is Pascal Manali's. Um, there I had um, a committee from the fourth generation basically to deal with and um, that was an interesting process but we wrote the book and it was published and that just came out last October, number five, and now I had a little pet project that is a charitable project for me. It's um, a portion of the proceeds is dedicated in perpetuity to Crescent Care. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They are um, a nonprofit in New Orleans that originally was the No AIDS Task Force. And one of the original programs of the No AIDS Task Force, Task Force was Food for Friends. And I remember back in the 1980s when Many, many people who I knew were sick and dying from that terrible AIDS epidemic. Sometimes that food for friends delivery person was the only person they saw. It was where they needed the, they needed the meals tremendously because that was such a dilemma, the illness that there was no treatment for. It was, and of course now we're in a much better place and that's why the No AIDS Task Force has become Crescent Care. And another reason that I have them as my number one charitable project because their outreach now is into the hospitality community. They are now on the corner of Elysian Fields and Claiborne, a full service medical operation. Everything from dental and optical to uh, general, everything. Everything's available there. And if you have insurance, they take it. If you don't have insurance, but you have a job, they will treat you on a sliding scale based on what you bring in for your pay stub. Or if you don't have a job and don't have health insurance, they're still going to treat you. And, you know, the, the hospitality community in New Orleans is so underserved in health care that that's just, aside from my old memories of the good deeds and the great work they did back when they started over 30 years ago. Um, so consequently, when I did that Tujac's book, and, you know, we have a cross-dressing ghost at Tujac's. And my, I had been the Dining Out for Life chair for several years, which is the number one annual fundraiser for Food for Friends. My Food for Friends said, said well, why don't we have a drag queen brunch, Poppy, to honor your cross-dressing ghost? <laughs> and besides, it'll, it will raise money. And So back in October of 2015, we started having what we called Poppy's Pop-Up Drag Brunches at Tujac's restaurant, and then other restaurants said, oh, Poppy, that's so much fun. Will you come do one there? So we've raised tens of thousands of dollars for this charity, and now, next month, I'm debuting my big left turn for my historical bent, and the Drag Queen Brunch book is debuting in, uh, on August the 30th, and um, it's my sixth book, and I'm kind of excited about it. It How about that? Like, that's a pretty <laughs> That wasn't awesome. what you expected, huh? No, no, track queen brunch at two track checks. Track queen brunch at two so checks. How can they, how, when is the brunch? Well, yeah. we've been doing them. They're, they're, they're just pop-up. They're pop just up. on an occasion. So, um, but because of 
the success of them. They have now proliferated through the city of New Orleans. There are so many drag brunches on a weekend, and I always make sure that people know that they I don't have a hand in any or any of them unless mm. it is a Poppy's pop-up drag brunch, which is happening for charity, specifically for Crescent Care and the Foods for Friends program. So, um, But some, that's also people took it and... Oh, well, because, Lord, there was one poor restaurant in the French Quarter. I think they kept their doors open for a year after we popped up and did one charity brunch there. And they were like, wow, well, that sure sold out quick. And that was fun. So they started doing their own for-profit. So there's lots and lots of for-profit, but mine are always for charity. And the next one's on my horizon on September 8th. We're going to be popping up with a drag brunch at the Pontchartrain Hotel. And on September the 29th, we're going to be having the first ever Poppy's Pop-Up drag brunch at Antoine's Restaurant. Wow. <laughs> that will be... Uh... Some of the drag queens have said to me, because Antoine's was one of the places in, in the drag queen brunch book, I've got recipes from Antoine's and Brennan's and Tujac's and Mofo and Maypop and all over the place. All of my friends contributed breakfast and brunch recipes and cocktail recipes. And um, when we did the photo shoot for the book, we did, we used Brennan's and Antoine's and Tujac's and Ralph's on the Park as some of our shoot locations. And it was such a special day to see my beautiful girls all on the balcony of the iconic pink building on Royal Street. <laughs> to see them with their, with their little traditional cups of Café Brulot in the Rex room at Antoine's. And it was really a big deal for my drag queen buddies, too, because they said to me, you know, Poppy, we never thought we would be here in drag. It was kind of exciting to them. And it's just one of the nice things that I think comes of this book is that it's just sort of an equalizer because what it's really all about is just pretend and dress up and glamour and deliciousness. And what could be wrong with that? And for people who read, however, when they get to the end of the 160 pages of the new book, there's an epilogue that explains why this book was dedicated to the demented women who were a crazy bunch of my drag queen friends back in the 80s who sadly all died. We, we lost a whole generation of beautiful, incredible, talented people, and so... When you get to the epilogue and you read the epilogue, get the Kleenex ready because that's the reason that the book was really written, for charity and to remember these people who otherwise might be forgotten. There were a lot of wonderful people in the quarter. A lot we of lost, wonderful yeah. people. I used to live there when I uh, had Bella Luna. remember quite a few of them. Yeah. Since we had uh, quite a few of the brunches in the early days when they used to bring uh, Southern Decadence down there. Oh, the yeah? The first with Bella Luna, yeah. You, you had drag brunches at Bella Luna? The first Southern Decadence dinners we had when there were still white linen and everything. Oh, my. Then it's later on got crazier. I'm so sorry. I missed yeah. that, and uh, I, I wish I'd known that when I was yeah. working on the book. You should have been in the book. Oh, that's too. a long time. Next way time. Back, way Next back time. Way back. Next time. Let's talk about you, about cooking. You like to cook? You still cook at home? 
Oh, I cook at home every day. It is just, just about every day. I eat out a lot, but to me, there is, I don't care what has happened during well, the day. Well, I cook always at home for Karen and Ross. We cook all for friends, invite them over. Since it's easier to cook for more than just for yourself or for two people. Tell but, a little bit some of your favorite dishes. Oh, my goodness. Well, I do a stuffed trout that, do you, did you ever know... Chef Roland Hewitt from Christian's Restaurant. Do you remember Christian's yes. Restaurant yes. Yes. and Chef Roland? Mm-hmm. Well, when I was at the learning stage, I did um, a little pass through uh, Mr. Mr. Ansel's restaurants, and I learned this recipe for trout farce that I just think is one of the it's one of my favorite things to make for people because it's a beautiful trout fillet stuffed with this delicious crab and shrimp stuffing and served with this beautiful green garlic mayonnaise he used to make. He used to serve it with the fried parsley. I don't do the fried parsley. That's too much popping. It scares me in the kitchen, in the home <laughs> kitchen. But anyway, that's one of my favorite things. I love to make when I'm having a dinner party, particularly having people over who may not know each other. I love to make barbecued shrimp because I find that when people eat with their fingers and end up buttery to the elbows, no matter who's a stranger at the table, everybody's friends by the time that's over. <laughs> I believe it. Well, I love to cook. I have... Um you know, it depends on the season. In the summer, I cook lighter and everything. And one thing, uh, you know, like I have a big garden. As you know, I always yeah. have a garden, so I grow a lot of stuff. My And whatever I have in the garden, it's what I love to cook. Oh, my goodness. I bet you miss that garden at the old Ursuline convent. That must have been so magical when you were growing your herbs there. It was magical. And to be part of the rebuilding of the herb garden back then, yes, we have magical times in the French Quarter. But now I'm in the swamp, and it's still magical. You know, it's so funny because we, we never really knew each other then, but I know that you knew my Ursuline nanny bunny friends because, oh, my goodness, Sister Damien and her sister, Sister Joan Acock. Remember Sister Joan? Well, I met them all there. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, then uh, Monsignor Riley, when we rebuilt the whole thing and yeah. we put the shrine up for all the nuns. Um, some of people who don't know it, I was really involved with the Ursuline convent in the French Quarter and, and charters between Ursuline and Governor Nichols. And we rebuilt beautiful herb garden since one of the first nuns had a big herb garden one of the very sister saint francis xavier a bear she was mother of course she was actually the first female pharmacist in the yes. united states because of her skill with herbs and medicine and that's what we rebuilt back then and she was an ursuline nun from 1727 and that that convent the oldest standing structure in all the mississippi river valley yeah, and it was closed, and then it's open for tours, and we had a great neighborhood. But I haven't been back in quite a while. I'm now out there with Middendorf's in Manchek and Slidell, and the last 18 months, as you saw, was uh, a wild ride to create this. Well, you've been very busy trying to keep the oldest standing structure in Manchek still standing yourself. So you've got this preservationist bent in you that... Um, has really, really been a great gift to the city of New Orleans and the South Louisiana community. I don't know what we would do without you 
making <laughs> Middendorf's what it is today and keeping the traditions going. I, I always call it the temple of thin fried catfish or <laughs> fried catfish. Since when you eat our catfish and then you go somewhere else and eat it, it's not the same. No, it's not the same. There is no, nothing like Middendorf's original thin it's, fried catfish. It's very unique. Imitation is a sincere form of flattery, but the original is still the original. It is uh, special. But if there's anything you want to add to our little chit-chat? No, I've told you all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I so appreciate you taking the time to well, talk thank with you, me today. Thank you. And what, um, thank you for also what you do for our industry. Oh. Not only for Mindos, but for everybody in the food industry, you know, helping. It's a and pleasure. And what you're doing. And, you know, we have to step up. The restaurant owners, the chef. And we, you and I talked earlier. You know, the pop-up restaurants, uh, the chefs. Um, I always say anybody can cook a great meal. But cook a great meal, take care of your employees, and pay, at the end of the day, pay your bills. It's a tough challenge. It is. Your longest employee, how long, how, 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 you must have employees that have been around for a very long time. That usually comes with the turf. Yeah, in Manchac, um, I have two people, and I think the one of them is close to 50 years. Wow. And one of them 40 years, easy. But one of our retirees, we retired Miss Lois uh, two years ago. She was 80. And it's a nice thing. We have older ladies there, and we let them work one or two days, whatever they want. They can uh -huh. work. And But when she retired, we have a little party for her. We had all these waitresses in there, and there were hundreds of years of Middendorf experience in this room. It was so unique. Oh, that's so And, special. you know, it's, it's neat, but uh, so many people, they don't want to... It's not push hard. The nice thing is some of these older ladies, when they work there, even if it's only one or two days, it's their life, their entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know, what else... We it's everything do. to them. Yeah, so we have quite a few of them there. And, and the customers I know are so happy to see them. That's part of that reassuring feeling of being home. I know, but then they get mad when they're not there anymore. <laughs> this one customer came, Miss <laughs> Wanda retired. Said, you got rid of this old lady. Sir, she's 82 years old. <laughs> she has the right to retire. It's like, I can't stop. It start. was her choice, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, like, we all get older, and uh, but they, she always comes by. But it's uh, a certain time. It's it's uh, you know, but we have a lot of wonderful people like this. Miss Elaine, she's been there for forty years. She fries fish for forty years. She fried thin catfish. That's incredible. And she makes the most beautiful thin fried catfish. Mm. And you know, yeah. in our industry, as we said earlier, and the chefs you meet and everything, for somebody to do the job like she does for forty years and fries it the same as the first day to keep somebody motivated and do this it's incredible there's not so many guys in the industry or uh, chefs I could hire they could not do it uh, since they always oh, I, I'm better than this I can do this you show me over and over the consistency and that's one thing I have to do right now being also a teacher when I work with my people I let me make the cold slaw and you make it and then you make it more again. And the next day, you have to make it till you dream about coleslaw. That's why the people come to Middendorf. It has to be the same. And you have to read over the recipe and do it over. The hush puppies, you know, not too much water. The right eggs. Make sure it's the size eggs we always put in there. And it's little, tiny little things, even if there are fewer ingredients mm -hmm. like we do and everything. But 
that's why it's so tough to make them understand. When I get some young guy in there, chef, whatever, wants to learn it and everything, uh, it, it, that's a bigger challenge. Mm. You know, when you go to one of this, when I had Ballaluna, yeah, okay, we can do anything. Well, that's different than doors. You have to be consistent. And you, I'm now the teacher and the father and the guy who's supposed to have the patience. <laughs> well, they all come with their own ideas. And that's what you, that ideas are a great thing, but it, the consistency to not improve on the recipe because the recipe needs to be exactly what it is. Right. And when they come, Chef, I have an idea. I say, well, the only idea we have right now when we come to Slidell is the Mittendorf's idea. And it's a <laughs> wonderful idea. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I want to show you what I can do. I said, no, Mittendorf, show you what it is. And, and, and I had to learn myself this. Of course. If, when I took over Mittendorf's, I was the right age. You know, if I would be younger and a hot-headed chef like they all are back then, I probably would ruin it. But I'm not so very proud where I am and what I'm doing. And I'm excited for some young people who have the patience to learn it. But also, Middendorf is something for a little bit older people who want to enjoy something like this. When you're at our door at Middendorf's, you know, there's a lot more people walking to our door than in a lot of other restaurants. And the compliments you get, thank you for not changing anything and keeping everything the same, that's the most wonderful compliment you can get. That's the great reward. Yeah, it is, it is. So... Well, Papa, you want to add anything to it? If not, we call that and eat some thin fried catfish. Let's eat. Okay, well, thank you again <laughs> for everybody to uh, listen to us today, uh, for Papa to be here and joining it with me. Until next time, guten appetit. <laughs>